Welcome to the sermon podcast of Grace Presbyterian Church. For more information about our church, please visit our website, gracechurchlaunceston.com. So Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Have you ever, uh, maybe this has happened to you, have you ever decided to go to a cafe and then you get in the car to go to the cafe and then you arrive to the cafe door and there's a sign on the door and it says closed. Has that ever happened to you? Yes. But to make matters worse, you've not only driven to the cafe to get that coffee that you're so desperate for that you had to drive to get to it, but Google says that they're open and um, they're, they're closed when they should be open. Google's told you they're open. Things in life can be very inconvenient, can't they? Yeah. We get inconvenienced in all sorts of ways. We get frustrated at the injustice of it, don't we? Um, even in those trivial little cases. Today we come to Mark's Gospel and there's the problem here with these disciples is that children, according to the disciples, are inconvenient. I don't know if you know anything about children. Maybe you do. Uh, I suspect you do, but children can sometimes interrupt your adult conversations. They can make a mess of the house. Uh, They drop food on the floor at afternoon tea time at church. The child cries and you can't quite hit the sermon anymore. I'm not making anyone feel guilty here, but it's just what children are like. Sometimes we think children are a little bit inconvenient. They can be seen as inconvenient. On the one hand, we love children. Of course we do. We kind of adore children, but they can be viewed a little bit as inconvenient sometimes. Jesus' teaching here today applies to us all. How we view children reveals what's going on in us. Because you see, Jesus isn't inconvenienced when he could have been. He isn't inconvenienced by children. He's eager to welcome them and bless them. But the question is why? Why does Jesus welcome children? We have two points today from these verses. Why does Jesus welcome children? Point one, why? Because the kingdom of God belongs to children. And point two, so we've got to receive the kingdom like a child. They're my two points this afternoon. And the first point today is that the kingdom belongs to kids, to children. And this is seen in verses 13 and 14. Let's read that out again. Have a look there. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place their hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, who are the bad guys in this, uh, this short story here? Who are the negative example? It's not the Pharisees, but the disciples. Not the outsiders, but those who are his followers. You see, they have a lot to learn about Jesus still. So what's going on? Parents are bringing their children to Jesus. Notice there, why? So that he might put his hands on them and bless them. To receive God's blessing. They want God's blessing for their children. These parents are coming to Jesus because they know about Jesus, they've heard about Jesus. They're bringing their kids, trusting that God would bless their children through Jesus. Now, what happens next is a little bit surprising. The disciples, they stop the parents. 
See, they set up an exclusion zone. They put up, you know, the bollards and roped off areas around Jesus. Maybe they're thinking Jesus is too busy to have his time wasted with the kids. Maybe they're trying to manage his schedule, his calendar. But I think it's more likely that they think Jesus is too important for time spent with children. You see, back in that time, we've already seen this in Mark's Gospel, children weren't as valued highly as they are today. They were thought little of in that society. Maybe the disciples were thinking, don't you know who Jesus is, parents? Oh, he, he works miracles, he heals people. He's got great sermons to preach. Your kids are a distraction from the important ministry he's got to do. And this shows the disciples have already forgotten what Jesus has already taught them. Back in chapter 9, verse 37, where he said, Whoever welcomes one of these children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. The disciples were pretty unwelcoming that day. They scold the parents. Don't waste Jesus' time. Don't come near. You should have booked the babysitter. So how does Jesus respond? Verse 14. He sees what they're doing, the disciples, and he becomes angry or indignant, it might say in the Bible you got there. Not with the parents, but with the disciples. So what is the reason? He says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, what Jesus says here in this sentence is huge. He gives two commands in this verse in the imperative. Let the little children come, don't hinder them. Two ways of saying really the same thing. Don't stop them from coming to me, disciples. These children are not a distraction. They're not less important than the grown-ups around. They are to come to me bring them to me, I want to see them, I want to bless them. And I think there's a lesson here for us before we get to some more meaty application, I think. But there's nothing too small for Jesus, is there? Nothing too unimportant. He's not too busy, he's not got too much on or more important things to do. He can handle it and he wants us to come to him. And so Jesus says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? It's, you can sum it up as Jesus, King Jesus, King Jesus, glorious reign and rule in his world. Now, some would read this verse, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Some would read this verse and immediately spiritualize it. Um, I've probably done this in the past. So, we think about ways that Christians are to be like, like children in their faith. And, to, and then say, if I have a childlike faith, then the kingdom of God belongs to me. But that's not actually what he's saying in verse 14. That's verse 15. In verse 14, who is Jesus speaking about? Who does he say that the kingdom belongs to? Children. Children. It belongs to the children there with him and those who are like them. The small people. The little ones, the ones who love jumping on their mum and dad or love jumping in puddles. Kids. He says the kingdom belongs to children. Now, this may raise questions for us, perhaps. 
Is Jesus saying that all children are in the kingdom of God? Well, no, he's not. He's not, he's not saying that every child has been saved by King Jesus. Whose children is he talking about here? The children in this story are children of parents who believe in Jesus. These parents have faith in Jesus, however small it might be at this moment. They have enough to bring their children to him, to be blessed by them. They're on the inside. They're disciples. These parents want Jesus' blessing, not the blessing of some other rabbi or teacher. They want Jesus to lay hands on their children and pray for them and bless them. Jesus wants these parents to bring their children to him. He wants to bless them. He wants to set them apart as belonging to them. He's saying, don't stop them because they actually belong to me. They're in my kingdom. Don't stop them, disciples. They belong here. Now, I can imagine that the parents here would bring their children up knowing about Jesus. Mum and dad would tell a story about the time that, that Jesus himself laid hands on them and prayed for them. These parents would talk about who Jesus is. They'd be raised in a home environment where they'd learn the gospel and the things of God. They'd learn the scriptures. And, and Jesus says that I view these kids, even the little babies in this crowd, I view them as my people, in my flock. They're my disciples. So let them come. Let them come. Don't stop them, disciples. They're not on the outside. They're in my kingdom. The kingdom belongs to them. Now, there are a number of implications that come out of this verse for us, both for parents here today and for all of us as spiritual aunts and uncles and grandparents, siblings and so on. You know, parents, it's a challenge to raise children. Um, we need patience, grace and wisdom as people entrusted with uh, little people to care for. Jesus wants us to bring our children to him. And I think this ought to make us pray more about this in our lives. How do we do this? Uh, parents, it's our responsibility to model Christ to our children, which brings them, first of all, to, which is first of all to show them the gospel, to teach them the gospel, that we're all sinners in need of God's grace. And we need this good news no matter what age we're at. We all need to believe in Jesus. And then by our lives, parents, show them what it means to be part of Jesus' kingdom. They learn from how we, as parents, approach our king. So do we give them the snippets of godly wisdom that they need to help, help them as they grow up? Do we guide them to, to think as Christians about school things? and friendships that they have, homework, um, issues that are going on? Do we guide them with Christian wisdom? Yeah, I genuinely, I really genuinely want my kids to be blessed by Jesus, and I know we all do. It is hard dragging them into the car sometimes on Sundays, the chaos, the rush to come to church on a Sunday, but I want to say it's worth it. You know, it often leads to good things. Jesus promises to bless us through his word, through the prayers, through the fellowship, the, the Bible read, preached, taught, through prayer in the context of Christian community. This is the way that God has promised to bless us as Christians. That's no matter age we're at, no matter age we are. 
So for example, in our family, it's, this is just something, um, it's been really great to hear my kids say to their friends, no, I can't go to your birthday party on Sunday because that's when I go to church. And I think, yes, you've got it. <laughs> yes, that's God's work, not mine. It's his blessing in them, bearing fruit, which enables them to say that he, Christ, is more important than a birthday party, no matter how cool that birthday party would be. And you know what? Other people get it. They get it. They, th they think you're a Christian. You go to church. That's what you do. People understand. We all need to be blessed by Jesus. That's what we need most in the world. And so, parents, we've got an example here in these parents in the Bible on parenting, bringing our kids to Jesus. But secondly, another, another implication of these verses is that we need to know how to view children in the church. So this is, this is really for all of us here. How do we see the children sitting here in church? And I think Jesus is pretty clear that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And let me ask you a rhetorical question. Are children Christians? Now I'm talking about the kids where one or both mum and dad are believers in Jesus. Are children Christians? Yes, they are. The kingdom belongs to children. Jesus places his blessing on them. They receive the king's blessing. They're part of his people. They're in his care and belong to him. We ought to view our kids as believers, Christians. These guys are part of God's family. Jesus says as such here. And as a church, we have the enormous responsibility together as a whole church to raise the children in our church, not as unbelievers to evangelise, but as disciples to raise up in the faith. There's a difference there. With God's help, we raise the kids in our church to love and serve Jesus. We treat our children in our church family as different than those who aren't in our church, in the church. So we teach our kids to pray, for example, to their Father in heaven. How can we call God Father if we are not part of his family? We teach our children to ask God for forgiveness for their sins when they do something to their siblings. And we also teach them they can have assurance of forgiveness of their sins. Don't we? Through Jesus. They're part of the family. We teach them to sing songs of the Christian faith that speak of the promises of Christ. And we believe that these promises, the good things of God, who he is, and that all God's promises are for them as well. Don't we? We teach our children to obey God's word in gratitude for the gospel, for what Jesus has done. In other words, we're to raise and train and love our kids as people who belong to the king. Now, it's important to say that we don't know the heart. We do not know the heart. We don't know whether or not anyone of any age is regenerate, is actually a believer in Christ, saved. And if you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus, or you're not sure, or maybe you've been part of a church for a long time and you're not sure, you need to believe in Jesus today. 
Believe in him for the forgiveness of your sins, to be right with God, the God who has made you and loved you. You need to believe in him today so that you can know God. So when it comes to how we view children in the church, the way we we view them is to raise them as believers until they prove otherwise. We, 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 We have charity towards them. God is the one who brings a person from death to life. He gives the Holy Spirit and the gift of faith, even to the youngest of kids. I think with the example of the Holy Spirit causing John the Baptist to leap for joy in the womb. God can save the youngest, not even the not yet born. He gives the gift of faith. But it's our responsibility as a church to teach kids to trust in Jesus alone, week by week, where to unpack the scriptures for them, teaching them to embrace the promises of God for themselves, which is what we all need. And this verse, by the way, is one of the reasons why we baptise infants. Now, many Christian people aren't on the same page with this. It's not the gospel. It's not the first important issue. We can still worship together. It's fine. It's good. We can serve together. But as a church, we baptise both adults who are coming from outside the church into the church, making a profession of faith, and little children growing up in the church. Because we're convinced from the scriptures that the kingdom belongs to such as these, to these kids. If Christ lays hands on infants here, little children, it says, and he blesses them as partakers of the covenant, as citizens of heaven, why not give them the sign that marks them out as belonging to the king? Why would we not apply the sign that signifies all this? Now, as kids grow up into the late teens, I know there's more responsibility that Uh, they have, more decisions that they need to make for themselves as they become adults or head towards it. And it's our prayer as a church that as the gospel is talked about and preached and prayed through, as they've been exposed to the things of God over many years, that they, as they transition into adulthood, whenever that is, 40, (laughs) that they will keep on going to church and continuing to follow Jesus as they become adults. And all things, in all things, we can trust God. God is trustworthy with our children. God will do what is right. And we need to pray that, that the kids here in our church never know a time when they haven't followed the King. So that's really the first point. Jesus says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, as a second point, we find here that the kingdom of God is to to be received like a child. So verse 15, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. He starts out by saying truly, which is a way of drawing attention to the importance of what he's saying. This is important, he's saying. If you don't receive the kingdom like a child, you'll never enter it. Which is the inverse way of saying those who do receive the kingdom like a child will enter it, you see? What does this mean? Well, unlike verse 14, which is speaking about children themselves, verse 15 is an application to those around him at the time and to us. 
We're meant to be like children. He's talking about us as adults as well. So look at these children, he's saying. Learn something from them about how to receive the kingdom of God. Which, if you think about it, receiving the kingdom of God is a very, very important thing to know about, isn't it? How can I be right with God? How can I be a citizen of the kingdom of God, Jesus' kingdom? How can we receive his kingdom? How can I come under his reign and rule? How can, I, how can I be saved? That's really what Jesus is saying here. He says, look at the children. And then the question becomes, what is it about these children that relates to salvation, to receiving the kingdom? What is it about the children? Now, what, let me just say what it can't be. I don't think it's about being innocent like a child. I don't think, you know, sometimes people speak about children as though they're innocent and pure. Uh, I don't think that's right from a practical or biblical point of view of understanding children. Uh, biblical, biblically speaking, children are not innocent. Psalm 51, David, for instance, says that we're all sinners, uh, even from before we're born. And practically speaking, you know what children are like. They may have sinned less and be more, more pure in some sort of way, but they're not innocent. Now, to think, of, think about this way, it would be to receive the kingdom. If you were to receive the kingdom that way, you have to be something before you receive the kingdom. It's sort of like a salvation by works, if you think about it. That you have to be and act in a certain way before you receive the kingdom. But I, so I don't think it's that. But what does Jesus mean? It's not so much about the innocence of children, but how children were viewed at the time. You know, children, they didn't have much going on for them in that time. They didn't have much standing. They were looked down upon. We've seen that in Mark chapter 9, but also we've seen it in this passage of Scripture itself. How did the disciples react to the parents? Jesus, too busy for you. Too important. That was their reaction. Because back in that day, children really didn't have rights or a social status to stand on. So, when Jesus says, be like a child, we're meant to think weak, helpless, insignificant, not much going for you. Jesus is drawing attention to their lowliness. Jesus, you see, isn't blessing them or wanting to bless them because they have, but because they haven't. They haven't got it. Jesus is blessing them because they're humble. He's blessing them for all that they lack. I remember when I was at the hospital with my three kids and um, you've got these little tiny, really tiny, tiny people. It's amazing. And I was thinking, wow, I've got to look after you now for a very long time. <laughs> In almost every way, a baby is completely dependent upon their parents. You know, a baby doesn't go down to the shop to buy some food. A baby doesn't get dressed by themselves. Imagine that. No. 
A baby definitely doesn't wash themselves mm -hmm. or light the fire to get warm. What do babies need? They need the love and care of their parents. And that's what Jesus says. We've got to be like children to receive the kingdom and to receive God's blessing. It's a picture of utter dependence, helplessness, nothing that we bring to the table. The kingdom is to be received as an unmerited gift of grace. And if we don't receive it like that, then it will never belong to us. This is really the, the, the Bible's teaching, the doctrine that salvation is by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone. And so if uh, you and I are to receive God's kingdom, if we're to be under God's loving rule, it's to say, I have nothing, Lord. It's to be like a child. I don't have any accomplishments I can present. I haven't achieved anything in life that I can give you. No CV, no qualifications to offer. We don't earn entrance into the kingdom, you see. You know, you might earn entrance into university, but you don't earn entrance into the kingdom of God. You don't receive the kingdom because you've preached a thousand sermons. You can't go up to Jesus and tell him about all the ministry that you've done. Look at all the, all the camps that I went on, all the coffee that I've served. Look at what I've been doing, Jesus. We don't receive the kingdom like that. You don't receive the kingdom because you always do your homework on time and get good marks. You don't receive the kingdom by always being nice to people. Now, they're good things to do. But you can, only, you can only receive the kingdom in helplessness. Saying, I have no claim to this Jesus. Nothing in my hands I bring. Please wash me clean. And thank you, Lord, that I receive it as a gift of grace. So we've seen today, Jesus loves kids. The kingdom of God belongs to them. But he also loves those who recognise they are truly weak, helpless and in need of him and his grace. So let me ask you as, as a final question, have you gone to Jesus in this way?